peace be to you. Henry the Cardinal Marino. Let us begin with a question. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Curiosity Catholic, the Evangelion podcast. Evangelion's mission is to light the fire of Christ in the hearts of Catholics by sharing the truths of our faith in a compelling manner. And that involves you. So if you would like to see how you can get involved with this ministry of Evangelion or to help out by donating, check out our website at evangelion.co.nz and check us out. If you want to be the first to find out about what content we're putting out there or events that are coming up, sign up to our mailing list and uh, join the Evangelion family. But without further ado, we'll crack on with this podcast. And in this podcast, we are aiming to pick pick the brains of all Catholic enthusiasts and get to the bottom of how to truly live as a Catholic in contemporary times. My name is Dominic Malgeri, and joining me on the podcast this evening is Father Galea. Father Galea, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. I'm pretty good. Um, all the way from Australia. Where in Australia are you? Yeah, all the, all the way. Yeah. <laughs> At least we're on the same side of the world. Usually the interviews are like all the way to, to Europe or all the way to America. But it's it's so um, such a blessing to be here with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose with the, uh, the, the travel restrictions, Australia does seem a little bit further away nowadays. It does. It does. And I... I look forward to to getting to New Zealand very soon. Yes, because we are going to have you over for the Rejoice Conference in October the sixteenth, aren't we? Yes, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. It's um yeah, I'm looking forward to getting onto an international flight, but also looking forward to be in New Zealand and uh, hang out with you guys over there. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, a lot of people uh, when we said we we're going to be interviewing you, lots of people got quite excited, and so. You're pretty well known over here. It's funny because uh, I've seen so many of your videos. I feel like I know you already, but obviously we've never met. <laughs> but we we we're from the same side of the world, sort of. You're from the UK. I'm from Malta, so that's we're pretty. Yeah, and uh, and I'm half Italian, so that makes me a little bit closer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, brilliant. So for those uh, that don't know your ministry, don't know who you are a little bit. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Well, uh, I always, I think one thing to start off is that um, I am in love with Jesus. And I think that's the most important thing. I love Jesus. I want to proclaim Jesus. I want to let the world know how how amazing God is. After that, I'm a priest. I'm an ordained priest, Catholic priest. And I get to work um, and serve here as a missionary, as a on loan priest, we call them. Um, here, here, in, here in Australia, I work um, in youth ministry. I work in a parish, but I also run a non-for-profit organ- evangelization organization. So we're a charity that reaches. I think it's this year. This year is 2.6 million, but uh, people every year engage with our uh, with our resources, and um, so I spend a lot of time doing that. But before that, <laughs> say 2019, which seems like a, a life away. I was full time, pretty much on an itinerant ministry, on a on an evangelization apostolate. So, um, 2019, I was on a plane, um, 300 times, spoke to 1.6 million people, and I get to speak in conferences, at schools, at clubs, pubs, wherever the door is open, I will go and tell people about Jesus. So this is 
what I do. Use use everything I have to to point to Jesus. That's pretty cool. It sounds like our, our ministries have a lot in common. Where you know, with Evangelion, our aim is to evangelize this great nation of New Zealand and bring the gospel to everyone. Uh, so it looks like we've got the right person on the podcast to help answer a few questions. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, that's you know, we've we've uh, found out that you're not from Australia. You're in fact a Maltese. Uh, so how did you get? to this side of the world and how did you become a priest well i moved to uh, let's start with the priesthood first of all i never wanted to be a priest until i was 21 i never even considered the priesthood um in fact i was in a relationship i had a girlfriend and um i i was ready to get married but if you rewind a bit before that um i was an addict as a teenager ran away from home um i was um involved in gangs and ended up in a place where i lost all sense of hope or the peace that I had, I had disappeared. And it was in my darkest place where I reached the end of myself that I discovered the beginning of God's love. And it, it was there that my life was, was just turned upside down. And I experienced this love and I just wanted to tell the world about Jesus. And I used to pray this, I still remember praying this. I used to say, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go around the world, I'll sing, I'll dance, but one, condition just one condition jesus please don't let me become a priest mm. because because i used to see the priest sort of cut off from the reality that i knew but one day i was i was giving a concert in italy and there was this priest that showed up and he was so cool an italian priest and i i remember thinking god i still don't want to be a priest but if i'll be anything like this guy i'll consider it oh, that's cool and I said, but just give me the desire for it. And that was the biggest mistake or the <laughs> best prayer I've ever prayed. It depends how you look at it. Yeah, it's cool. It sounds like you had a real like kind of casual relationship with God in your prayer. It wasn't a case of like necessarily you know, down on knees praying like set prayers, but having that real dialogue. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, even today, like my my favorite part of the day, sort of uh, my favorite prayer, you know how I pray every morning, I open my eyes. And I, 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 every morning I say, Jesus, good morning. And I, I just, this, this is my first five minutes every day. My first five minutes, uh, just looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, I don't want to talk. Just give me a hug. Just give me a hug. And so I imagine Jesus giving me a hug first thing in the morning. And that's where I find the strength to get up, to pray, to face people. Um, and so, yeah, just the, what, what happened was I, I experienced this love. I started to think about the priesthood. And then eventually I took a gap year and I, I came to Australia to, um, to experience the church in a different place. Mm, yeah, because and, in uh, Malta, it's like, it's, I heard it's like 95% Catholic over there. And so it's quite a, an intense experience, I imagine. Yes, and the church is very much sort of... Um, yeah, it's within the church walls. But my, my the rector, who later became the bishop, used to say, Rob, I, I was a seminarian then. He says, Rob, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Sort of, I was restless. I just wanted to tell people I would go into schools, I'd go into clubs. And people, like, they, people thought I was crazy. You know, I just wanted to tell people about this love. And, and so I came to Australia. I said, let me give this a go. And I just fell in love with the place. I fell in love with the, the way... I could outreach and go into schools and started writing music for clubs and started recording music, just going in anywhere. You see, for me, music's great, fantastic, but I'm not a musician. I'm, I'm an evangelist. Music just uh, means to open a door for me to speak about Jesus. 
And so, yeah, and then I ended up staying. I ended up staying. So I haven't, this was like 10 years ago. I've been auditing 10 years now. I'm getting old. <laughs> well, they say that if you make it past five years, you, you're in it for, you're in it for the long total. So you're, you're well in it there. Yeah, I'm, I, I depend every day on the mercy of God. I know that I, I stand by his grace in his strength. Yeah, so I can't, I, I just, yeah, just hold on to his mercy. So are you a, are you a diocesan priest? I am a diocesan priest, yeah. So did you become a priest in Malta and then that's when you came to Australia after that? No, I studied in the seminary in in Melbourne. So I came to Melbourne, I studied for three years and then I was ordained. Um, but I was ordained in Malta, so I'm still incarnated. They're complicated words, I know, so I still belong to the Maltese diocese. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm on loan, sort of, yeah. They said, ah, we don't know how to deal with this guy here. You yeah, deal with yeah, him. you guys have <laughs> a lot more space in Australia for to run around. Um, yeah, that's right. That's really cool. So um, you say you weren't a musician, but it sounds like you were into music from a, an early age, would you say? Well, I started playing music at 17. I actually got kicked out of my school choir in primary school because I couldn't sing well. Um and I just, I just uh, the, um, then discovered music when I was when I was seventeen, and I started playing music in youth group. I started playing music in um, at mass, and from there um, I got a record deal in the, the United King in United Kingdom in Eastbourne. Actually, I don't know if you know where that is. And the record company was there, and um, which is Elevation Music. And then from there I got signed with Sony Records in Australia. And then now I'm signed with a, an American record label. So, but I never asked for record yeah, yeah, labels. Yeah, yeah, That's like, just, how, yeah. how does this happen? You know, you become a priest and you get a record label. Just for any musicians <laughs> out there that are currently discerning, it still can happen. Uh, exactly. Good God. But this, this, this all really just kind of fits in with um, the topic I kind of want to get into for this uh, session is like, how do we use our gifts for God? And like, because I think like, often well, i mean there's first you know how do we know what our gifts are and then it's like okay now i've got to do something with it but it seems that with you you just kind of turned up with your guitar and you know you turned up and happened to have a guitar with you and god was like okay i can use this and next thing you know you've you've got your your record label well i think the important way to, i think the way to look at it is that um give everything you have everything you have is given to you by god okay and you give everything you have and allow God to use it. So don't categorize, say, okay, God, you can use this, but you cannot use my gift of graphic design. You can use this, but you cannot use my, my gift of voiceover. I give you this, but you cannot use my, my, my gift of, of, of fitness and going to the gym. You see, Jesus infiltrate the whole system. He needs to get into everything and point to Jesus wherever you are. And then people will see, you see, for, for me, I think the effective evangelist is someone who speaks about Jesus and in, in, in a way of integrity that like their whole life speaks about Jesus. So I, I proclaim and point to Jesus when I'm at the gym, when I'm playing music, when I'm preaching and teaching and everything I have, everything I am is, is used for Jesus. Now, sometimes it's on a it's in limelight. It's in a big on a big platform. Other times it's just to the guy who's sitting at the bench press next to me. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're evangelists, big or small numbers. Yeah, because I think it's like um, so easy, especially in this social media world where we see um, 
we see we only see parts of people's lives. We only see the you know the, we only see the limelight things, the things that get enough likes or enough shares, and so it makes it harder to understand like okay, so how do I um, how do I use this? Because I see I see this guy over here, uh, and he's like in front of a crowd singing and. I like singing, but I don't know if I could do that. Or like, I see I see this person who's doing graphic design, and these designs are amazing, but I'm not that good yet. So should I maybe not do that? And so like, I guess the question is like, how do we discern? I guess what are our gifts, and uh, and then the next step would be like, okay, so what now? I've decided. I've realized these are what I, this is what I can do. Okay, well, look, one of the ways we can serve God is through our gifts, but I don't think it's the only way to serve God because you serve God within family. You serve God in all of your life. To limit God to your gifts is putting God again, putting God in a box. Um, so gifts are great. They're given to you by God. We give them back to God and use them for God. But how do you know what your gifts are? First, I'd say three things. One, figure out what you like, what you love, and develop that. Most gifts, it, it, it's it's... 20% inspiration and 80% muscle. So what I mean is, if you're a songwriter, don't you have to work on your craft. It's I've had to tie my legs to the chair and work day in and day out, learning guitar, learning songwriting, studying songwriting. It's, it's easy to, to think that things are natural, but you have to work on a craft. So what is your desire? Develop that as a gift and then use that to point to God. So that's one one we can do that but the other thing to discern your gifts is ask others what those around you those who love God who, where do you think my gifts are and maybe your gift isn't big it's small but again two things one develop it number two and who said the big gift is better than a smaller gift Jesus didn't convert the whole world he, he spoke to 12 people failed with one and he kept going you know he kept going and those 12 and the new 12 and then started to impact the world over and over so i mean we we we're in a world where there are these massive influencers that have millions of followers and and that are making a big difference and so we compare ourselves to them when jesus just had 12 followers, you know and he he changed with 12 followers so stop stop like thinking that big is better than small no one jesus never said that a big gift is better than a small gift no, no, that's true. And dynamite comes in small packages, as I keep telling people. I'm only five foot six, so um, um <laughs> that's but, the Italian side. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because my dad's <laughs> six foot two, so I got my mum's jeans. Um, but yeah, so uh, we've we've got um, I love what you're saying there about like it's about that hard work that you put in, the effort you put in. Because I think like often when we think about like using our gifts or what are the gifts God gives me, we've got this kind of magical kind of perception of kind of like oh uh, so uh, my gifts are the things that I'm good at and I'm good at them because I do them and when I do them I'll be good at them and like that's really not true I mean like just even I mean we're not talking about walking on water here this is not miraculous you know you're not supposed to pick up a guitar and just immediately play but like it is about that working on the tr craft working on yourself um and sometimes I think that you know would you agree with this that there's like sometimes you feel like you're out of your depth a bit with a craft and then you just keep going and then all of a sudden you see the fruit later? That's one of the signs that God is in the gift when it is out of your depth. For example, I had a desire, a deep desire to speak in public. I really did. 
But I was, I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I'm scared to be in front of people. But I worked on it and I failed. I embarrassed myself. I, I, it was just so awkward and to the point where, where people just used to say, don't let him get on the stage again. It's too awkward. But I kept working at it and I kept crying and, 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 and working on that craft. Just 2019, over the last few years, I've spoken in front of crowds of 200,000, 500,000, 900,000, 1.1 million people. But, and the reason for this is that that gift, people see me on the stage singing and speaking with, next to the Pope and doing th these great things. But they like there was a lot of failure, a lot of doubt, a lot of mess. And a lot of hard work, but I'm not claiming the hard work. But what I'm saying is if you want God to use you, you have the responsibility of developing that gift. And the development, even after development, it's messy. People see the glory, see the life. But now, my, and you know as well when God has purified the gift, when the gift becomes your cross. Mm. And this is what... Like, I think I'm at a point of this, and this is sort of where my gift, I will do it. I will go in public, but I would do anything not to stand in front of people ever again, not to sing in front of people ever again. It's not that I don't want to do it, but the only reason I do it is because I know I have the gift of doing it and I'm going to tell people about it. But I love lockdown. I love being in a studio. <laughs> I love hiding away from the world but i i know that's not what god what god mm. wants me to step out of my comfort zone wants me to pick up my cross and follow him mm. i love that analogy of it becoming your cross because i mean obviously nobody wants that but like it's there's it really ties it to the truth of the gospels which is you know the the, the reality that god entered into our mess you know why would why would Jesus want to go through the crucifixion? In fact, he didn't want to. You know, as we see in the um, garden before he um, is in the agony in the garden. So why would he want to do that? It's because it was his cross to bear, and from that came the most beautiful thing in the world, which is you know the gospels and Christianity and our salvation, and just all these things. And I I I think. One thing that I always do, and I think I see other people doing sometimes, is we um, kind of, again, categorize our faith, especially in Catholicism. We can see everything in nice, neat boxes, but we forget that it all comes from this one point, and that is the cross. So we can see the cross in everything, and especially, as you say, our gifts. Yes. And when you see, and this is, brings me to the point of anointing, you see, God can put his anointing on anything. It's a lie to think that God's anointing, when I say anointing, is his supernatural work in and through our gifts. For example, some people preach and all of a sudden they feel like they want to, to follow Jesus. Some people sing and all of a sudden they're in tears. Our people in the audience are in tears. You know, th that's, that is the anointing. That's where the gift ends and the anointing, God's power begins. Now, God is able to put his anointing on anything, but he's... He's a jealous God, and so he tends, God tends to put his anointing on gifts that are purified, on gifts that are crossed, on gifts that are no longer um, for your benefit, but entirely for the benefit of those that are being served by the gift. Doesn't mean you don't get anything out of it, but the, the, the gift is for the people, and you are at the cross, not for you, but for the sake of God's people. And that's usually where God's anointing sits heavily heavily 
and and lives are changed through our gifts yeah 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 the, the purification of ourselves and of what we present uh because i think you know i think i was thinking of uh saint joseph of cupertino he, whenever he was saying mass he would float he would and he flew out of the window one time apparently and just yes. thinking it's like you know how removed from this was he's like look how good i'm holding up the host this is definitely not what he was thinking but like yeah. the only thing he could see was the eucharist and i suppose the only thing we want to be able to see in our gifts being displayed is is the work of god um and like that, and that removing ourselves from it yeah that's exactly it i i wrote during lockdown i wrote a song called 3am I, I released this song and it talks about um the, it says all of this glamour you know like i was saying like i was speaking in front of so many people lights flashing lights and i got um to travel all around the world but you see i became so busy with the gift that i forgot to spend time with the giver and god's gift god's anointing was still there it was still there but it was leaving me empty it was leaving me dry and so i think also a sign of god's anointing over the gift and over your life is if it energizes you also but in the song I say this, all of this, all this glamour, all the fruit, personal fruit that come from this gift fade away when I look into your face. So it's about meditating, contemplating the face of Jesus as Pope Benedict used to talk so much about contemplate the face, the icon, the face of Jesus. And this is where our focus, this is a, if we contemplate and we are sold out for Jesus, the rest will fall into place. If your desire is more to change people's lives than it is to spend time with the one who can change lives then go back to the drawing table mm. evangelization is not your number one vocation your number one vocation is to become a saint to fall in love with jesus everything else will fall into place if you get that right that's beautiful that's really cool so uh obviously you are a christian songwriter and so i kind of wanted to talk to you a bit about christian music um often well, I say often, like there are some people that say Christian music can be a bit cheesy sometimes. Uh, I'm not a song. Well, I'm not. I, I used to write songs, but it's been a long time since. Um, when you're writing songs, especially about like God and uh, trying to express a, a, a truth, it's like, how do you find the right words? You know, and how do you make it match up to the music? And where do you get your inspiration from? I, I'd say, again, my where I write from is either from my own experience or from the experience of others that I work with. Um, I, don't, I don't write for people. I write for my audience of one. I write for um, a God. Um, my songs, almost, uh, let's put it this way. I've released about seven albums, but I've written content for 50 albums. Because, you see, I'm scared to release songs because a lot of these songs make me extremely vulnerable. They bear my soul. So it's like a journal. So this is what songwriting is for me. It's about writing my story with God. Um, and it requires a sense of vulnerability. Now, songs are cheesy. Christian songs are cheesy when they write from other people's experience as opposed to theirs. When they don't write from a place of vulnerability and a place of authenticity. So I think if you do write from a place of vulnerability and authenticity, then there's no superficiality in that song. There's just, there's just, um, yeah, there's just a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. Yeah, because I, I again, I was. It's been years since I've tried writing songs, but I, 
I always found that when I was trying to write a song, like a Christian song, it just became so clunky and wordy, and I was trying to get the theology right, and yeah, I, I just couldn't... It just... You see, that, and this is, I think, the problem, is that you were trying to write a Christian song. I never tried to write a Christian song. I write a song to the one I love, and that's Jesus. You see, I'm not, it's not about theology. It's about a conversation. Mm. It's about mm. my vulnerability before God. And people who try to write theological songs, songs that work within a church setting, they're missing the mark. Because we, we, we don't need to write about the religion or the experience. We write about Jesus and our experience with Jesus. And well, there is the vulnerability. Yeah, I feel some might, some might push back on that and say that you, you do need to make sure that what you're singing is 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 true and therefore you need to have some sort of theological um absolutely so i think a th having a theological foundation that's very important i would never release a song that wouldn't be the that would either be interpreted now i have a degree i have a master's i have um, i'm educated in theology and theologians so i know the stuff and, and so if i see songs that are either not theologically sound or songs that could be interpreted as non, um, not sound, I will never release it. But two, that's one. Second thing is that I don't write songs for the liturgy. I write songs about my experience of God. If I were writing for the liturgy, then I'd be writing very differently. Mm. I'd, be, uh, I'd take that vulnerability, but I'd have to rewrite for the liturgy because liturgy, liturgy is not about me. It's not even about my experience. It's about what's happening. And so I need to study what is happening. I wrote one song, for example, for, I do write some songs for the liturgy, but I wrote, for example, a song for the liturgy um, um, where, where I literally, I have had to really study, it was for the offertory, I study exactly what is happening at the offertory. Why am I writing this? Compare this to Calvary, that moment of approaching. Should I use the words bread and wine during the offertory or should I use body and blood? You know what I mean? The, these small things that make a massive theological difference. So yes, we need to be knowledgeable and we need to be responsible, especially when writing, putting words into the mouths of others and also especially during liturgy, which is so transcendent, like it's so massive. Mm, yeah, that's that's really cool. I like that distinction you made about uh, writing liturgical songs rather than other songs because it's about being... In liturgy, it's about what's happening rather than about who's writing it. I think that's really cool because, like, obviously, um, yeah, liturgical music—it's just very different uh, for a start. And um, there is, there is, you know, some songs that you're like, "Oh, what's being played here when you're in, when you're in mass?" And like, what do these words mean? And it can be distracting. But like, liturgy and uh, like, I don't know, non-liturgical well, music is different, eh? Yes, of course. The problem is not the person who wrote the song. The problem is the person who chose that song for the liturgy. Because a lot of Christian songs are not lit written for the liturgy. All your hill song, all your... Um, they're not written for the liturgy because they don't know the liturgy. They don't have the liturgy. But if we are putting them into our liturgy, then don't blame hill song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't write it for the liturgy. You're the one who tried to put a square into a circle. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Uh, that's it's written for a different different experience a different place think of it like a ship and a jet ski okay the, we the liturgy is a ship it's a huge ship it's 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 going to heaven we know it's going to make it to heaven and it's uh, journeying towards there and it's journeying slowly it cannot turn fast 
it it because you, you'll throw people overboard so we have to when we are writing songs for the liturgy we are directing that boat with the wind in the sails we're, we're, we're stirring the boat at the particular moment now there's a time to do that but there's also a time to hey let's get onto a jet ski let's let's um, we, we, that's the your praise and worship that's your sort of easy listening christian music that's the moment for it but if you're going to write for the big ship i think the captain <laughs> And the people who are staring need to vet that and make sure it's the right song for the ship. It's the right direction for the ship. That's such a cool analogy. I've never heard that before. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um, so uh, I think an, another part of um, you know uh, your life, and you, you've, you've uh, alluded to this already, is like is fitness. Uh, I remember seeing a picture of you with some other priests in in the gym, like pumping iron. One of the guys from America. And I thought that was really cool. Um, do you, I? I think I like to try and keep fit. Uh, I like to try and keep in shape. And I think I find so many parallels between working out on our body and working out on our faith. Do you? Do you find those those links yourself? Absolutely. You see, because I see again, everything can be, everything good can be taken bad. Everything bad can be taken good. So again. Um, fitness is for me is a modern day asceticism it's a modern day death to self now it's easy to say that uh, i like fitness you i 80 percent of the time i don't feel like going to the gym <laughs> yeah. but i go anyway um, mm. again 80 percent of the time maybe even 99 percent of the time i don't see results but i go anyway mm. and so it's a it's a death to self it, putting my mind before my body now, yes, you do see results, and yes, I'm human. I do take gym selfies, mm. and I do flex in front of the camera. But I, again, part of it is vanity. But uh, another part, which is, I think, the major part, is just like how important it is for people to see priests in that are normal. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, are human, yeah, definitely. That definitely. are broken, you know? And and so uh, th this is why there's a... I think that the connection <clears throat> is that... It's the same with prayer. If you're disciplined in exercise, you're likely to be disciplined in prayer. You're likely to be disciplined, disciplined in self-control and other areas of your life. If you cannot control your diet, you cannot control your exercise, if you cannot control your words, you're most likely not being, being, you're not able to control the rest of your lives. You know? mm. So it's about self-control, asceticism. Before these people used to whip themselves and call that asceticism. Now we call that sort of a part of that is self-harm, which is dangerous. But um, the, a modern day asceticism is making sure that you're looking after the body that God has given you and doing it every day. With, and and it, again, gym is great, but 80% of results come in the kitchen not not at the gym yeah yeah because i think uh a couple of years ago before i started getting into my fitness i kind of like pushed it to the back and was like nah because you know it, it is it is vain and then but then i i uh, and i didn't want to be like uh someone that was really into their looks obviously you can tell that that hasn't taken but um what i came to realize is the um the truth of like having a healthy body is essential to carry our cross like physically and spiritually um 
yeah, and I, I like what you're saying. There is there is that aesthetic level. But what would you say to people that um, do just write off uh, gym selfies and such like as vanity and shallow? Well, I'd say, I'd say look, first of all, um, follow your conscience. If you are going to the gym and you realize you're becoming vain and you cannot handle it, then follow your conscience. I believe and I know because the scripture tells us that we are to look after our bodies, okay, that, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to. Now, whether you do it by walking or you do it by um, um, CrossFit or you do it by weightlifting or swimming or whatever it is, but exercise. If I believe if you don't have time to exercise, then you're doing a whole lot of stuff that God hasn't asked you to do because we need to look after our health. God doesn't give us a body and then doesn't give us the opportunity to exercise it. So that's one. Two, I think it's also important to realize that vanity is part of life. Don't be, it, it, it just don't focus on yourself. Now, I, my story, my story and my personal story is that I was an addict as a teenager. Um, since I was 16, I've suffered, suffered from severe depression and anxiety. So I needed in my life to set pillars that would allow me to keep functioning when I cannot function, when everything around me falls apart. And so I've set my meditation, my prayer, I've set my, my fellowship, my rest, and my exercise as well. So I do it 365 days a year, whether I feel like it or not, mm. because I know that if I don't, I'm, I'm going to replace that habit for a, a bad habit, or I'm going to um, sort of fall into depression to a point where I'm not going to be able to function. So for me, that is that is life. Yeah, so both, it's kind of like it's about uh, being physically fit, but it's also about knowing yourself with these things. And if it's going to push you in a wrong direction, not to like worship it, so to speak. Um, yeah. And if people think you're vain, it's so what? That's their problem, not yours. You know your heart. You know your conscience before God. Mm. People are going to think this and you're that so don't do it for others and what people think of you at the end of the day yeah yeah and I, yeah i suppose if, if your intentions are right because i guess the thing that really pushed me into wanting to be healthy is uh i've got two little girls and i'm like okay i actually need to be around <laughs> you know i can't be exactly. i can't be uh like I, can, I can't chase after them they're not going to want to play with me and you know that's that's what a dad's there for right and yes, so and I, it's also about like you're saying, it's a quality of life to be able to pick up the kids, to throw the kids, to be able to enjoy them. And it's not a no one at the gym goes thinking, oh, I'm going to do this so that I live until 90. It's not it's not the point. The point is, I want a good quality of life. Yeah. And, and God had, I, there's no way I could do the preaching and the traveling I do if I wasn't fit. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. fit. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. So I need. Yeah, I think that's a really good point um, because, like, you know, God has all called us to called everyone to a mission, and I'm I'm pretty sure none of the mission the mission isn't on Netflix. Um, it's not on the sofa. It's not in that third bag of potato chips. But it it, it does require us to go out and like I think it's so cool hearing that you're an introvert even though you are so out there in the world so um you know in front of so many different people i think that's uh such a contradiction but like a an important message yes so people don't believe me because the minute you give me a microphone then all of a sudden what happened to this guy yeah but i uh, we spent what nine weeks in lockdown the first time that and i when it was over i grieved i just wanted to be alone more you know i've done two 
two 30-day silent retreats. I can stay, like, I'm a real introvert, but when I need to, when I stand on that stage, I'm on fire because yeah. I'm talking about the one I love. Yeah. And so nothing that's going to stop me. I have to say, I have noticed that I think introverts are often better at public speaking uh, in the front of a microphone because they have to think about what they're doing rather than extroverts mm. like myself will just pick up a microphone and start talking and hopefully something good will come out. Um, I say this and I run a podcast, so it doesn't bode well for me. Um, but yeah, I'm loving the connection we're getting here of this. It all comes back to that like discipline. We've got these gifts that God's given you. And one of the gifts we've been given is our body. And, you know, a gift isn't just, it's not just like you open the present and there it is. It's you open the present and you work on it and you build it and you grow it. And it there is that uh, element of God uh, works with nature, you know, grace and nature together. Exactly. So grace builds on nature. And that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to, we need to, you know, and this is one of the things that I love about, um, what the church teaches is how Christ wants to work with us. Now, that's cool if so God turning up and saying, hey, I want to work with you, it's like, yeah, but that means we've got to work. And I want you to play guitar and I want you to be painting and I want you to be public speaking and I want you to be doing accounting and I want you to be in the gym and therefore we need to turn up. Um, the, the faith is so supernatural, but it's also so normal um, in a sense. Yes, I mean, to learn the guitar, I've had to spend three, four hours a day, every day for two years practicing. And I can do that as an introvert, an extrovert will find that difficult. Yeah. But um, at the gym, I've had to, I've been training since I was 16, you know, and I've been training pretty much every day since I was 16. So people see gyms and they think, oh, okay, he just goes to the gym and it, there's a lot of work that goes into everything. Public speaking, I've had to practice, go to speaking lessons. I've had to listen to the best and spend hours working on my craft. Mm. So again, it's it's twenty percent um, sort of inspiration and eighty percent motive. It's eighty percent muscle building, working on that. So get grace on nature. Yeah, I love it. So uh, as I mentioned earlier when we told people that uh, we'll be interviewing Father Galea, we got a lot of questions and stuff. So I wanted to touch on a few of those questions before we get to the end. Uh, so we've got a few questions here uh, about evangelism, actually. So uh, do you have a... <laughs> Is that your dog? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He's been crying. He's... No, my, my daughter's crying outside, but I'm not going to bring her in. <laughs> She'll start touching things. Anyway, um, uh, do you have any advice for a family who do not believe... Uh, a family living without faith um and kind of like all right yeah we'll, we'll start with that do you have any uh people advice for those kind of people that live in a, a faithless home well i don't know who is asking in the context of which they are asking so if if there's one person with faith you know i think first of all pray pray for this family because at, at the end of the day people need jesus if you are one member in the family and the rest of your family are not there, let people, you, you intercede, you pray, and let people see your love for Jesus. It's not about preaching to them. It's about letting them see your joy and your peace and, and also your, your joy and peace in your imperfection. So I think prayer isn't everything, but it's the first thing. Um, the second thing is that we can sow seeds. We're not here to convert, to pull. We, we invite, we pull people. But at the end of the day, it's not our responsibility to convert people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the person goes on. It's a bit 
lengthy, so I've, I've chopped it up a bit. And saying from that perspective, looking at it from the perspective of the older son in the product in the prodigal son story, uh, do you have any advice for the, the prodigal son's older brother uh, in a situation where obviously all the gifts seem to be given to the younger son and he's been uh, faithful all this time? Uh, if someone's living in that kind of situation. Well, I'd say what the problem with the older son was that he was working for the father, but not spending time with the father, that he forgot his first love, that he stopped, um, he, he stopped listening to the father, fellowshipping with the father, he stopped praying. And so I think this is why we see like he's reached that point where he, he was angry, where he was upset, but a lot happened in between that point. So before that led up to that point, and that was because he became too busy um, and to the point where he took the father's love for granted and it became about service, it became about attention, it became about um, prestige. So the thing is, spend time with the father, fall in love with the father. Yeah, so bringing it back to our kind of topic, it's that it's that uh, 80%. Don't fall in love with that 80%, but you still got to turn up to the gym, you still got to practice guitar, you still got to practice your gift. Um but don't make that God, make that because of God. Oh, yes. Hold on to these things, but hold on to them very lightly. Very lightly. Because God is first. God first. God is everything. Yep. Okay, let's see. There's a few more questions here. Um, what's the best way to start a ministry in a parish if you don't see many young adults? Where do you start? Well, one of the things that I do is... I create events. So I think events are a good place to start. For example, like the conferences that uh, we can go to conferences, we can invite people to, to rallies, to, to events that are happening. And then from there, make a plan, make a plan and say, okay, on the bus home, say, we're going to meet next week and we're going to start with a Bible study. And then you start meeting. Don't think that a successful ministry is a, is a big ministry start small a successful ministry is one that focuses on god whether it's two or three people so events are a great place to start and then from there um start a small bible study start a follow-up but while you're inv inviting people start thinking about the follow-up don't just let it finish with the event yeah so that i mean that's a good uh, tip for uh, the 16th of october when we have this rejoice conference and for all those that follow on our mailing list, we've got a few events coming up, so pay attention to those. Invite people along, and then you can start a, a parish group around that. Uh, do you have any advice for ministry burnout and ways to navigate this? I imagine you've got quite a lot on your plate, so and, and being an introvert, you've got to manage this as well. Yes, I, I'd say it's the, the same story of the older son. I, I think if you, if you feel you've reached a point where God needs you and that you have to say yes to everything, um, then you you you're in the wrong place. You see, you serving God should be out of overflow. And a lot of people working in ministry, not only are they giving out of the water from their reserve, but they're also empty and they're giving out of their brokenness. And when you give out of your brokenness, what happens is you have sharp edges because when you're broken, you, you and you're cutting people, you're hurting people, you're destroying lives instead of building lives. So make sure you look after yourself. Make sure you're making time for prayer every day. If again, you're too busy to pray, you're too busy to have, if you're in full-time ministry, if you're too busy to have an annual retreat, if you're too busy to have a time with the Lord, then again, you're doing too much. You're doing a lot more than God. 
So make sure you're looking after yourself. And there's God rejoices when you're able to say no and yeah. to say it with love. Yeah, I suppose like the phrase that comes to mind is like let go and let God. Um, and I think sometimes we like, okay, I need to have this event every week, every month, whatever. And when it gets to that moment where, you know, you're coming towards the, the, the event planning for the, 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 the date that needs to be done and everything in your life's coming to pieces, it's like, how do we let go and let God in that moment? Like, if you find yourself like, I've caught, I'm stuck in a trap. I feel like everything's on me. And if I don't do anything, nothing will happen. How do you, in that moment, say, okay, God, you take this? Because that's, that's, the, that's the tough part, isn't yeah. it? Well, yes, it is, because you've left it to the last minute. The thing is, you have to train yourself to let go and let God in the good times, not in the bad times. And this is something I've had to learn with my depression. This is something I've had to learn with my anxiety. I don't um, hold on to... If, I'm, if, I, if I don't have the habit of, 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 get, of structure around me, things to hold on to in the good times, then I'm not going to have them in the bad times. It's not magic all of a sudden. So build structures around you. Make sure you have a mentor. Make sure you have a spiritual director. Make sure you're exercising. Make sure you're resting. Make sure you're praying. You see, if you don't have these pillars in your life, and don't bring them in when you're at your worst. Bring them in when you're at your best. And keep going keep going so when one of them shakes ministry shakes you have five other pillars to stand on yeah that's cool and yeah it's about uh i like that it's like because when you're in a good time you're thinking oh yeah i can definitely take this on but it's about having that discipline throughout and that that uh, continuity uh, all the way through that's that's such good good advice um man you're good at this you should go professional um <laughs> So I think that's all the questions we've got. Um, the rest of them have kind of been answered throughout the rest of the uh, conversation about your music. How do we know to use our gifts? Uh, this has been a really good conversation. I've really enjoyed it, Father. Uh, where can people find out more about you, your ministry, what events are coming up for you? So if they would like to go to um, frgministry.com, there's all our information. That's our charity there. People can support that ministry as well. We have church online every Sunday. We have online mass. We have uh, events. So all of that there. If they want to follow me on Instagram, um, at frg, uh, sorry, at frrobgalea. So at Father Rob Galea. I'm on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, um, TikTok, all of that, um, YouTube as well. So feel free to to stay in touch. That's a lot of social media to manage. Um... It is. <laughs> cool uh have you got anything else you'd like to say just as a sign off to everyone listening uh well i'd say just don't fall in love fall in love fall in love fall in love with jesus it's not about your giftedness god doesn't want you he doesn't he doesn't need you he, he just he wants he wants your company he wants to spend time with you um he doesn't want your gifts and he, he wants he wants your heart so if that, again, is in order, then... And so do something today even to fall in love with Jesus. Give God an extra minute of prayer. Give God an extra time, an extra hug this morning. Allow him to hug you for that little bit longer. So that's that's what it's all about. That's beautiful. 
Okay, thank you very much, Father Galea, and thank you all for listening. Remember, if you want to get involved with Evangelion's ministry, check us out at evangelion.co.nz. Go to our website, sign up to our mailing list, and go to the Rejoice Conference on the 16th of October. It's going to be great. It's going to be in East Auckland. They've got a few more speakers. Uh, check it out on the uh, Auckland Catholic Youth Ministry website. Um, for those of you involved with the Evangelion, uh, we do have a few talks coming up uh, from international speakers coming to a parish near you. So stay in touch and uh, keep curious and keep Catholic. God bless. <laughs>